Hello all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast, taped on Twitch, brought to you on YouTube, on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watch a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob who hasn't watched nearly as much wrestling and your long time coming reckoning that you are somehow still going to learn the wrong lesson from. Hmm. Yes, it is because it is time for it to end Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. The feud where Andre was in the right the entire time. Andre was always right. Change my mind. Except you can't. Yeah. Impossible. Except you can't. Afraid not. Uh, and where does this feud culminate? But where else? At WrestleMania 3! Uh, so this is our first WrestleMania of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. Yeah. My first we WrestleMania did. ever, actually. It's true. We've kind of only... We've kind of unintentionally avoided them. I've never, like plan to not do avoided wrestlemania feuds before but part of the problem of wrestlemania is that they're very long it is so that's always been a bit long. of a stuff yes in fact tonight we're only watching half of the matches at wrestlemania 3 yep. as point as point of proof which sucks so because as uh for newbies here is basically we are a limited time to record together so we only watch about two hours worth of, of any pay-per-view that we watch and so i have taken the liberty of constructing a two-hour version of wrestlemania 3 that hopefully hits all the important parts it dawns on me too that like for we we must of like the podcasts of the world mm -hmm. that kind of run on a standard time we must be one of the ones that take like the longest time to record because like you you look at your fucking my brother my brother and mises and mm -hmm. and and you're like musical splainings and like they their sh their shit either runs like an hour of just them talking about shit or like mm -hmm. they, they're they are a media reviewing podcast but they will their episodes will run for like less than an hour we mm -hmm. we go hard i hope all the fucking people listening appreciate the dedication the the, the drive the power we talk, we talk too much yes <laughs> Look, okay, I tried to make it sound noble. You can work with me here. I'll try. <laughs> so kind of WrestleMania for the people who might not know. Admittedly, that's probably most people watching, but you know, for posterity. WrestleMania is basically the event on the WWE calendar coming up mm -hmm. every single spring. Um it basically was born out of, as most old WWE pay-per-views were, sticking it to Jim Crockett. <laughs> of course. Jim, Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, the, the predecessor to WCW, WWE's greatest rival of all time, <clears throat> had their super show Starcade in 1983. And WWE was like, what if we did a super show? And so in 1985, they did WrestleMania. Now, that wasn't the first name that came up with. Uh, that is by, by leg the legend of WrestleMania says that Howard Finkel, the uh, ring announcer, came up with the idea. And if it, Vince McMahon's first idea was, of course, the Colossal Tussle. Okay. Thanks, Vince. Yeah, glad we didn't go with that one. Yeah, yeah, WrestleMania is like feels fucking iconic, you know? Mm -hmm. That was a brilliant, brilliant movie. Great right there. name. 
Yeah. Mm. And so 1985, the idea, basically, if you watch WrestleMania 1, it feels a lot like the Madison Square Garden shows that WWE was doing on a regular basis that was already serving as their kind of like big shows on their calendar. Mm. The difference being, the biggest difference being, they had celebrity cameos uh, anchored by uh, Mr. T and Cindy Lauper being involved mm. in the biggest matches on the show. And it was, it was, uh, it wasn't on pay-per-view. It was on closed circuit TV. Pay-per-view wasn't really a thing in 1985. Closed circuit TV was basically where like you went to like a theater and you watched the show broadcast to the theater. And yeah, it is. And it, as pay-per-view became more popular, they obviously phased out the practice, but these first four or five WrestleManias, I believe were available on closed circuit. So the first WrestleMania, according to WWE lore, Vince McMahon and Linda McMahon put a ton of money into this show. And if it hadn't succeeded, they would have went out of business. Now that's their story. I can't confirm it. I somehow doubt it. This sounds like one of those things Vince would make up to like tell us a big fish story. Like, uh, I give Vince shit for a lot of things. That man is a ruthlessly smart businessman in a mm. lot of ways. No way in hell he would go sink or swim on something as experimental as WrestleMania 1. I highly doubt that. Yeah, I can't confirm or deny it with any official sources. It seems like everyone just kind of goes along with the story and no one's ever really questioned that. So I, I couldn't tell you if it's real or not. I just feel it's important to tell as part of the lore. Fair enough. Anyway, WrestleMania 1, though, was a, a smashing success for the company. And so they decided to keep doing it again. Uh, so then WrestleMania 2 happened, and it was successful, but also a dumpster fire. Uh, yeah, I've heard they, bad things about Wrestle 2. WrestleMania 2 is the worst WrestleMania ever, in my opinion. Other people will tell you WrestleMania is 9, 11, or 27. I disagree. I argue oh. it's 2. And the reason it, for that is because there is no good matches on the show. A lot of people like to give the earliest two WrestleManias. They're a bit weird to watch, all right? Because the style of wrestling at the time is very different from what you see now, and it's hard to apply mod properly apply modern standards to the early WrestleManias. That having been said, fuck that. WrestleMania 2 sucked. There's not a single good match on that show, and there is absolutely no other WrestleMania I can say that about. Therefore... It's the worst in my book. And I've seen all of them. <laughs> but the biggest, but the thing that really made it fail as a, as an enterprise was they decided they were going to, they were going to get bigger than what they did at WrestleMania one. So what they did is they put it in three different venues. The first hour of the show took place at Madison square garden. The second hour of the show took place in the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, and the third took place in uh, in Los Angeles. Okay. And Fair if enough. you were if you were a live attendee of the show, basically you got to see one hour of live wrestling, and the other times you're watching a monitor. Oh. You watch the other two thirds of the show. Oh oh wait oh wait now that I think about it that's really fucking dumb. Yeah, it was dumb, and it basically also made the production terrible. 
because WWE didn't have three people who could who could like run production to adequate standards. They had a bunch of guest commentators, and they were all bad. Oh no! I think the best of them might have been Elvira in LA, but other than that, they wait—they got Elvira. Stuck. That's so dope. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, the number of celebrities who have been involved in WrestleMania is actually kind of wild. A lot of, especially the 80s sets of, of names. So WrestleMania 3, but so WrestleMania 3, they scrapped that idea. And instead, mm-hmm. they are just going to go for the biggest show possible. In this case, filling out uh, in the Silver Dome at Rest- in Detroit in Pontiac, Michigan. Yeah, baby! They're at the Silver Dome, and it is one of the largest attended crowds in in uh, WWE history. Fuck and for yeah. the longest time, was the highest attended they've ever had. Nice. Yeah. According to, them, according to them, it's ninety over ninety three thousand. That is a lie. That they snuff. They they kind of fudge the numbers so they could give themselves the highest ever for an entertainment did. event. But they still did like eighty five thousand or something like that. That's still impressive. They yeah, they did an impressively high number, but they had to just fudge the numbers just so they could have to say that we had the highest number ever for anything. Go fuck yourself. God. God damn it. Of course. See, this is why I didn't fucking believe the first part. Because Vince lies about this shit all the time to aggrandize himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carney's gonna Carney, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh. Pinocchio-ass motherfucker. Yeah. So, uh, I don't really have any any bits to... Normally, during this part of the show, I talk about, well, how, what, how have the stories advanced since the last time we were here? They well, haven't. they really haven't. As as has been a regular feature of all, of this arc for this show is this kind of realization that we are in the '80s, and in the '80s, storytelling wise, in terms of pacing and structure, you do the stuff to get to the match being made official, and then after that, nothing really happens. Yeah, so, one can argue that the story really hasn't advanced for the past like two or three times we've done this arc. Yeah, I, yeah, time. like it was, it was because it, it was like episode two, I think, of this arc where the match became official, and then the other oh, no, two episode was... three. The first, first time was the trophy stuff. The second no, time, time was stuff. second time was second time was will you do this? Yes. Third time was contract signing, and then yeah. fourth time spinning our fucking wheels. Yeah. Well, like I don't know if I consider contract signing like story progression. It was the same shit. It was just made mm-hmm. like super duper extra business official everything you truly needed to know happened in the first two parts of this (laughs) this fucking era all the rest was just great little filler bits of gorilla monsoon and and bobby heenan arguing yeah so do i have anything to mention no no so instead what i'm gonna do is we're gonna run down the mat the 12 match card and that's another thing is these early WrestleManias, they stuff these cards to get like as many matches in here as they could. Yeah, um, sure. And so a lot of them are short. So that also means the big matches take up a lot of time. And that's why we're only watching six out of 12, even though we're covering two of the three hours of WrestleMania three. Yeah. Because they fit six other matches in that leftover hour. Mm-hmm. So the first match that we are not going to watch 
is the Can-Am Connection, Rick Martel and Tom Zink. We've had that. We've talked about them a little bit. One of them is American. One of them is Canadian. They like celebrating both those countries. <laughs> yep. And they yep. are very and they are very attractive. Mm-hmm. Taking on Bob Orton and the magnificent Don Morocco, who are just okay. Yeah, I don't really have anything to say about hmm, yep. say about them. The first, the next match we're going to skip, and there are two matches here that we are skipping that I wish we weren't because we covered a lot of their plots during these episodes, and it felt wrong to miss the payoff. Billy Jack Haynes versus Hercules in the battle of the full Nelson. Oh, God. Oh, God, no. We've watched these guys full Nelson eat each other for so long, and we don't even get to see the payoff. They're Nelsons are so full there the some might say their nelson runneth over mm-hmm. <laughs> so and i wasn't expecting a good match out of it or anything but again it's the principle of the matter <laughs> we do these things on principle damn it yeah yeah the third match and that we are not gonna watch hillbilly jim haiti kid and little beaver versus king kong bundy little tokyo and lord Littlebrook. Oh yeah, the mixed, mixed tag that you tag match because so named because Hillbilly Jim and King Kong Bundy can wrestle each other. The little people wrestlers, the other four, can wrestle each other. They cannot intermingle. These are the talls, these are the shorts. They don't mix. Yeah, so we're not watching that one. Mm-hmm. Great. Good I'm I'm to... so disappointed. Oh darn. Yeah. Here is a match that we are going to watch that, to be honest, I just really wanted to see, okay? It's probably the least justified match here when I was thinking back on it. But also, some of this this was about filling in a two-hour gap, trying to fit a two-hour block. Uh, So Harley Race versus the Junkyard Dog in a loser-must-bow match. As a reminder, Harley Race is the king, and Junkyard Dog is like, this is America. We don't have no kings here. I'm a dog. And so <laughs> the loser of the match must bow to the winner mm. by stipulation. As you do. Okay, the next match that we are going to watch that literally was just in here because it fits under 10 minutes. And I needed something that was under 10 minutes to fill this out. Uh, the dream team of Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake versus Jacques and Raymond, the Ruggio brothers. Okay. Yeah, remember the dream team, Greg Valentine, the hammer, takes 15 minutes to warm up. Oh, oh, God. I always forget that's him because, like, that's such a – I don't He never I don't wrestles in 15 minutes as well. Yeah, yeah, he never gets to fully warm up. Oh, wait, no. This is under 10 minutes. He won't be able to warm up. Yeah, ah! yeah this is bad. And then Brutus Beefcake, the soon-to-be barber. Oh, Ed yeah. Leslie, he's great, yeah. We – this is actually this is actually kind of paying off something because this is this call this story progresses the bit where like uh, we had the match with the Dream Team and Adrian Adonis and Adonis accidentally started cutting yeah. hair. It, got his yeah, and it's it begins the transition. And it, yeah, and then of course Jacques and Raymond they are French Canadian. Oh no, we, we you know we must hate them because they are they are foreigners and they're pompous foreigners. Oh, they're actually the baby faces here. 
because Valentine and Beefcake are heels. Oh, I I always think that that the barbershop turn mm. is a heel turn and not a face no, turn. No, it's a face oh. turn. <laughs> Fuck. I'm so deeply surprised. If we ever, if we ever, do, if we ever do an arc with Brutus Beefcake, we can talk about how kind of unbabyface it is to forcibly cut people's hair. But okay, you know, he is a babyface. You told me about this. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, no, I'm just deeply surprised that in the '80s we can simultaneously have a tag team that goes ha ha and is also babyface. Yeah. Impressive. Pro- <laughs> really progressive for the time. <laughs> So progressive. Good job, Vince. Really pushing the envelope. Yeah. All right. Match number six. We are watching this one. The mm. hair versus hair match. Roddy Piper versus Adrian Adonis. Uh, yes. We did not watch the Roddy Piper retirement video for me to not see this match. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that. I, I feel like knowing about they live kind of spoils the ending of this match for me, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I still look forward to, to seeing, to seeing, uh, Adonis go, go baldy boy. Yeah. So next up we get the six man tag match, Danny Davis and the heart foundation versus Tito Santana and the British bulldogs. Oh. Uh, Our yeah. boy Danny Davis is getting in the ring. ring. Yes, I'm so. This is one I've been so fucking excited because I will give it. I'll give the. I'll give this era this fucking throwing a ref in ring, a crooked ref in ring, feels fucking unprecedented, and I have no idea what this is gonna look like. So I'm actually really hyped mm-hmm. for this one. I am very excited too to get to see this mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next at match number eight, we are skipping this one. Butch Reed versus Coco Beware. Okay. You know, Coco the Birdman. Butch yeah. Reed is the one that hangs out with Reverend Slick. They don't like each other, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> hey, sure, why not? Yeah, it's not very well. It's not a very well developed story. I don't really know. Damn, um, damn, if only we had some extra time in the lead up to this to develop more of the stories whose matches we we're going to see. Damn. If no, only. well, didn't have time. Uh, well, yeah, well, well, what are you going to fucking do, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, then the match that we are definitely going to see, match number nine, the Intercontinental Championship match, Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat. Oh, oh, yeah. The buildup has been has been wild. It's been Bears something. Have been thrown. <laughs> Boats have been steamed. Uh, cringe has been posted. The, these are two men just gearing up for for a blood battle for the for the ages. I can the- tell. This feud has truly had it all, I think. It's, it's <laughs> all all two emotions in pro wrestling. Anger and violence. Yeah. Incredible. It's right. amazing. The range on these men. The next match we are going to skip. And man, I tried so hard to fit this in because I wanted it. But I couldn't make it work. Okay. The Honky Tonk Man versus Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh Christ! You know what? I actually am sad we're missing that, just because both of them, the two of them together, seem a, a weird pairing. We had the honky tonk man heel turn when he el kabonged Jake Roberts with the guitar. Oh yeah, Jake Roberts is also somehow a face in this era too. Yeah, I in fact, he is such a face that we want to talk about celebrity cameos. 
is Jake Roberts is being accompanied to the ring by Alice Cooper. Okay, fair enough. That actually kind of makes sense. And Jake Roberts is, of course, threatening to take his snake, his big, girthy snake, and put it all over the Honky Tonk Man. Thank you, Jake Roberts. <laughs> and Alice Cooper is going to help. Oh, I'm sure Alice Cooper is all about putting that girthy snake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Match 11, the one that we are going, the last one that we're going to skip. The Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov versus the Killer Bees. Oh, okay. Uh, I am excited to see like one of the most legendary tag teams ever in action for the first time. And then the Killer Bee and then Iron Sheik and Volkov are there too. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're right. You know, when I think of tag teams that have gone down in history, Nikolai Hoomph, Iron what? Nah, man. The Killer Bees with their fucking modern-ass-looking black and yellow sketchers. Those are the two. Mm-hmm. They, they stand at the pinnacle. As as some lesser wrestler who I whose name I can fucking remember once said, the cream rises to the top. Or in this case, if you will, the bees buzz yeah. to the top. Of mm. course. And I said we're skipping that one. We're not seeing it. We're not watching that tag match. Wait, we're not watching? Fuck! Oh, no! No, it's... It's not, It's the most fillery match on this show. It has no story whatsoever. They just did it. Uh, <laughs> but then... You're going to let me see Volkov and Sheik together. It's going to happen. I'll, I'll work on it. And then the final match of the show, the main event that we are definitely going to watch. Are you kidding me? Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant for the World Heavyweight Championship. Yep. And we've been here for the greatest arc that WWE didn't tell of Hulk Hogan being a toxic friend that is an egomaniacal piece of shit and Andre gaining some self-respect and and getting away from Hogan and challenging him for the title that Andre deserves a shot at because he's been unbeaten for 15 years. Yeah, I... This has been one of the most compelling stories I think we have Mm -hmm. ever followed on this on this podcast the layers that exist the emotional depths that the storytelling goes to and yet somehow it wasn't fucking even written to be like that we have discovered such a deep layered nuanced riveting story at the heart of all of this and you're not even supposed to look at it that way. No. How the fuck does the how the fuck did Vince and Co. accidentally write one of the most damning character pieces on Hulk Hogan of all time and have it just not actually be that way on purpose? How do you just fucking stumble into <laughs> it's this is incredible? me i am unironically like this is one of my favorite stories we have followed i'm not even memeing right now unironically because of like the 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 layer peeled back underneath that austin and i have discovered in in this story it's 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 compelling beyond words dear god 
it's incredible watching having watched hulk hogan's descent into doubling down where he yeah. went from he went from despondent that andre would betray him man to then he got mad about it and then in the most recent episode he then also blamed andre for upsetting the chill for betraying the children this is so perfectly frame now fully framing him in his mind as having been the bad guy the whole time. the whole time i don't understand like they 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 wrote just a chilling depiction of a toxic friendship corroding into nothingness and it wasn't even on purpose ha 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 oh god yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna have way more to say on this in the back half but just as a lead up i just need to remind everybody how harrowing this specific tale is and I mean, we all know this. If you don't know this, welcome to Wrestling Booking 101. This ain't going to have a happy ending, folks. At least, not a happy ending. Not as the way we have defined it, no. Not not the actually written story. Yeah. Yeah, there's only one way this story ends. And Mm. and we all know it, and we are dreading it. We run from it. But Hulkamania arrives all the same, brother. (laughs) (laughs) I am inevitable, brother. Christ. (laughs) God. Oh, man. I'm ready. I've been stealing myself this forever. I think we just have to do this. Yep. It's time to go. Mm -hmm. And if you would like to watch along, you can do so at Peacock, WWE's American streaming partner, $4.99 Four nine nine a month with ads. Nine 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 ninety nine a month without ads gets all gets you all of WWE's um streaming library. If you're outside of the U.S., you can you still use the WWE Network at nine ninety nine American dollary dues, and, or you can go on YouTube. I guarantee that WWE has put up Andre Hogan on YouTube in full by this point. Uh, probably Steamboat Savage too. To be honest, that's another famous match from this show. We'll get there, but for now. Uh, we will see you guys in the back half to talk more about WrestleMania 3. Later. And we are back. We have just finished uh, two-thirds of WrestleMania 3. There, the, man, the, there sure was wrestling. There sure was a lot of mania in a lot of different ways. There was at least three of them. There, there were at least three wrestlings and three manias. I counted them very yeah, specifically. I think, it, I think it fits. I think it fits. That I think the name works. I mean, I'm just saying. Have you ever heard of the rule of threes? It makes you think. Yeah, it's why WrestleMania two was a major, a major success. Rule of three is a rule of three. The venues. Rule. <laughs> No, but they they mismatched it. They tried to do the three with the two. The math doesn't line up. Big Papa Pump is not pleased. That would explain three why it does, went so wrong. Three does not equal two. Three does not, as you can see, three does not equal two. It's 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 it is mathematically impossible. They 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 tried to mess with the great truths of the universe, and it was ultimately their downfall. But this time. We got we got straight threes, baby. Threes all the way. Mm-hmm. Mania is even three syllables. I it, what, what can I say? It couldn't be more perfect. 
Yep, great. Uh, mm. Three Beautiful. is a magical number, mm. and yes, it is. And I will. I am going to say, is it like for my take? WrestleMania three is. I would call that the first good mania. I quite. I, I thought. I thought it was pretty. Pretty. A pretty uh, enjoyable event overall. Mm-hmm. Like I think that I talked about the first two WrestleManias feel very dated, and even the yeah. stuff that parts of that are good. You're like, oh yeah, this is 1985 for sure. Mm-hmm. Nineteen. I, I feel like WrestleMania three as a show overall. As someone who's rewatched it tonight and has seen the entire show um, multiple times, actually. Um, I think that it's a show that you can actually still go back and watch and still find enjoyable. Despite yeah, I enjoyed age. I enjoyed what we watched. I think it was I think mm-hmm. it had a lot of like really good stuff coming into it that just bolstered mm-hmm. the material that that we saw in this particular bout. There were there was a lot of they they used some of their strongest players. They used some mm-hmm. really great storylines and things that were uh, able to resonate with the crowd in such a way that I think are kind of mm-hmm. timeless. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't lose effect uh, on a lot of this stuff watching it in 2022. Yeah, despite it being God almost 40 years old now as a, as an event. Yeah, uh, there 35, and, 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 35 years exactly. Yeah, and even, and even the stuff that I do require a bit more context to to understand and get into they use some of their more iconic players for that as well like i think mm-hmm. of harley race versus junkyard dog junkyard dog is just one of your best guys you could have thrown in for an event like this in this in this era period mm-hmm. so throwing him into a match at mania was a phenomenal choice and as someone someone like me who's seen very little of him but instantly understood his appeal I think I think that was a great element to throw in. I, I mm-hmm. uh, a lot of really strong things. My kind of main complaint with this one is mostly just that there are too many shenanigans. You 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 made you made this comment as we were watching, but this is not a mania of clean matches for the most no, part. No, there's not. Okay, and that's going to be even more apparent when I read the results of the other matches. As, as yeah, I yeah, do, you, I talk about the other matches we didn't watch, and those are even worse than what we saw. God. Okay, so let's just go in order here. Easiest way to do it. But we start with Vince McMahon, you know, introducing the crowd, introducing the show, and he goes, Welcome to WrestleMania 3! And that call, like, this show is filled with iconic calls and announcements and, like, sound bites. And there's the first one, is Welcome to WrestleMania they usually cut off the three so they can use it kind of evergreen. Yeah. But that call from Vince is absolutely super iconic. And they show it, use that clip all the time. Damn. That's cool. But then he introduces Aretha Franklin who sings America, the beautiful. Oh, slay queen. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of standard fair stuff for, for getting the, the pre-match. Uh, Murica song with a celebrity, but I, I mean, I mean, she's great. Come on, uh, yeah. that, s- s- yes, you love to see it. Absolutely. And then we get introduced to the commentating team of Gorilla Monsoon, Jesse the Body Ventura, and kind of popping in uh, throughout the night. You get Bob Euchre and Mary Hart, and I'll have more to say about them in the six-man tag match. 
But overall, I just kind of like their energy, and they felt enthusiastic to be there. Mary Hart seems super happy to be here. It did crack me up. Gorilla seemed to really be struggling to remember where the hell Mary Hart was from. From <laughs> <laughs> the media standpoint, he's like, and 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 here we have Mary Hart, who's from as you all know. He's, he was. He's, he's yeah. He, he tonight. tonight. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's, of, of course. Yeah. Come on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I really got a kick out of that. Gorilla's, Gorilla has no idea what the hell entertainment tonight is. He's, he, he looks like he's reading off a phantom teleprompter. Yeah, there's, a tel- there's, like, there's a cue like, card, like there's a cue card like right there, and he's looking at it. Gorilla, uh, but they they can't like fucking go back and forth. The gorilla, word by word, entertainment tonight. What is yeah. that? To entertainment. What? Do not. What? What? Uh, <laughs> we're stone cold when you need them. What? 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 Entertainment tonight, son. Yeah. No, but seriously, Mary Hart seems so happy to be here. It's adorable. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so it's- the first match of the night that we didn't watch, the Can-Am Connection, they beat Bob Orton Jr. and the magnificent Morocco uh, it kind of was pretty out. That was actually very straightforward. The KM connection just won the match. Nice. Well, good for them. Then we get Hercules and Billy Jack Haynes. Um, we didn't watch this match, but we got a hint of it when Bobby Heenan showed up on commentary. So we have at least some, so we got at least some idea of what happened, but what ended up happening is they were fighting and fighting. And eventually what is is Bobby Heenan attacked Billy Jack Haynes. And then but Billy Jack Haynes applied the full Nelson to Hercules. And then they just stayed out there for the entire rest of the match and got double counted out. Why? So he, he just had to prove his superiority of his full Nelson lock. Sure. And then, Her- and then Hercules hit him in the face with a chain. Sure. It's Why a little not? dumb. It's a little dumb, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then King Kong Bundy, the, the mixed tag match. King Kong Bundy, Lord Littlebrook, and Little Tokyo versus Hillbilly Jim, the Haiti Kid, and Little Beaver. Um, the match ends when the thing they kept saying King Kong Bundy might do, he did. In that he took Little Beaver and he body slammed him and then dropped an elbow to his chest and that's a dq and that's the end cool they run off hillbilly and them run off the heels but that's that's the match good good to know that that this show truly believes in equal opportunity for all of its workers it's going great but let's finally get to a match we actually watched uh, actually, yes. make, you know what? No, before that, well, there was the was interview say, with Mary Hart. I was yes, Mary Hart is standing with Miss Elizabeth, and I got so happy because I'm like, "Fuck, we got wholesome queens here." And Elizabeth, I don't know what you me. expected to happen. I like to give myself delusions because I hate myself. Uh, yeah, Mary Hart is is standing with Elizabeth, and they just look so eager. And she's like, "I'm here with the fabulous Miss Elizabeth." Oh, it's so wonderful to see you, darling. How? I... And of course, speaking of toxic relationships, who the fuck shows up? But and Randy here Savage. comes Randy. 
And here comes Randy, the to motherfucker. To immediately interject himself into the conversation. Yeah, he go and and Mary is having. I feel like Mary and Jean need to get together, have a little bit of a, a powwow about how much of Thornton on their side all these egomaniacal wrestlers are. Because she's just not having it. She's like, well, actually, I was kind of hoping to have a kind of like, oh, no. No. You, why did you talk to me? Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk to me. He's yeah. I'm going to get my out there. Thing, my favorite thing about this, though, is, is once Randy Savage has made it clear that he is, uh, in fact, not going away, Mary Hart turns to Elizabeth and goes, is it, is it always this way? And Elizabeth just gives this fucking deeply nervous smile of like, yeah, she got that smile on her face suggests that yes, it is. She got like hostage eyes, just like Elizabeth blink, blink twice if you need help. Okay. It, that, it was so funny. She just, she just doesn't even answer. She knows if she answers, she's getting dude. That was so bad. Yeah. Oh man. And so he, uh, Savage drags her away from the interview yeah. And that's that, even though nothing really happened. Very hard. He's like, okay. Cool. Very cool, cool, Savage. Thank you. And all right. Now we get to King Harley Race versus the Junkyard Dog. Yes. We get we get promo segments before the match starts. And like you were talking about, Junkyard Dog seems to take issue with this idea of a monarch in Murica. Uh, I got very much uh, well. I didn't vote for you. Vibes. He literally yeah, says very. something like, "Like last, last I checked, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't got kings here in America." Yeah. Something like that. Only person, I, only person, I, only person I bow to the man upstairs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it it just gave me it gave me it gave me big uh, anarcho syndicalist commune vibes, which is sure, great. Sure. Um, and then and then we cut over to King and fucking Moolah's here. Hey. Hey, the fabulous Moolah is here, looking meh to be here. Yeah, I, but, I literally turned to Austin, I'm like, she doesn't look happy to be here, Austin. Why does she look happy to be here? She, yeah. she looks like she's here under duress. Because I guess since she's the queen of wrestling, she's got to be the one to crown the king when he wins. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then old, and then, uh, old J- JYD. Is now he is his interview. He's now like, oh, I'm gonna get that crown. I'm gonna be king. That sounds pretty good about the dog. Get the dog. Yeah. Which wait, wait, hold up a second. Monarchy for me, but not for the junkyard. What what are your ethics here, buddy? I don't. I don't know. I guess if I had to try to give an explanation, is that he is that he wore he had. They showed this bit that at one point he stole Harley Race's gear, King's gear. Yeah. To fuck with him. So he put it on, and now he 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 is he is tempted by the power. Oh God! It's like it's like the Ring of Power. It is. Like, it's like the One Ring. Yes. <laughs> Junkyard dog be like. Got him, got him. <laughs> so they come My out. <laughs> also, fucking Mister Baseball over here. Oh is yeah, horny as shit for Moolah. Yeah, okay, so Euchre was on commentary during the Bundy gym stuff. Yeah. So he was on commentary at that point. But then he sees the fabulous Moolah, and he just goes insane. He's like, oh, man, I see why you guys are here all the time. Woo, I, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go find Moolah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting echoes here. 
Why must his spirit always haunt me? <laughs> At least it's just Euchre. At least it's just Euchre. Yeah, I know. That was... The... But yeah, so he's weirdly horny for Mula. And <laughs> Gorilla and Jesse are just kind of concerned vaguely about Mula's well-being when it comes to Bob Euchre for the rest of the evening. I guess they, they figure Mula can handle it. During the match. But also, if we want to talk about fucking prototype Jerry Lawler's out here. This is literally just like Jerry Lawler's shtick and aesthetic 10 years earlier. He He's just the king. Why do we just keep having, like, king figures? Why does all we gotta be a king? Um, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure Jerry Lawler did the king stuff before King of the Ring was a thing. I'd have to check on that. But Like, he was well, doing that stuff in Memphis. I don't it, was know he? when that started. Pretty sure he was, was he, yeah. Was he, I thought I my, the impression I got, and this is obviously from very from much less solid knowledge mm-hmm. than you, was that he was actually kind of more straightforward in his in his territory days. But I could be entirely. I wrong. mean, in Memphis, he was a babyface, and so that played a part. Yeah, but I'm this, pretty sure he kept some true. of the King stuff. I think he oh. started doing some of the King stuff in Memphis. That's fair. I, I have I, to look I, more I, into that. I can see that. But either way, well, there's always got to be a king, though, because it's fucking Harley Race and it's Jerry Lawler, and now it's, well, it's not Shinsuke, but it's whoever the hell Shinsuke stole the crown from a little bit. There's, a, there's always got to be Baron, some other. It was Baron Corbin. Well, right now it's Xavier Woods, because he won the King of the Ring. Oh, shit! Oh, shit! New Day New Day getting some gold still. Okay. Yeah. Right, fair, fair enough. But yeah, it's just a, the king archetype. Stare archetypes. Is this one that, pe- that, you know, very popular to use. I guess sure why not regardless yeah so so that's that's the setup as is we get to the match proper and there are shenanigans here too yeah Heenan interferes almost immediately <laughs> he Heenan is fucking shameless dude he he's just he's just coming in trying to grab junkyard dog's leg he don't, he don't give a, he don't give a shit <laughs> he's just gonna go for it man this is this whole this whole episode really made me eat my words with with Heenan. I where is my uh, good? Y- you should save that for the ne- for the next match. Well, yeah, but like just as a setup, where did my good principled boy go? Where is he? He never I... he never existed. He only had a little moral high ground on Hogan. Oh, I did not want him to be a figment of my. Turns out he was an imaginary friend this whole time. Yeah, so so some dumb bullshit's going down. Junkyard's trying to play a fair game, mostly because he doesn't have anyone to cheat on his behalf. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I, I don't think Junkyard. I get the feeling no. Junkyard wouldn't be above that if he had the opportunity. I mean, nobody is in this era, really. That's fair. That's fair. Even if you're a face, you're still a gigantic asshole, as we've well learned. Yeah. So. I liked the match well enough for what it for how long it was. You know, I thought I thought they were coming out swinging. I thought they had they had good body language and they were kind of fun together. Yeah, but it, it for me it was like disappointingly short. And again, the shenanigans yeah. the shenanigans kind of ruin it. Like if you're gonna have JYD out there, I want to see a really strong showing from JYD. Really, that's true. He didn't. He he really didn't do any of his signature bits. Like yeah. he does like bit, but like his like yeah, he didn't do a lot of the headbutt bits that he usually does. Yeah, like it, it was. It was, pretty, it was. It was pretty too short for me. 
I remember far more of our first JYD showing that we ever saw than this. Yeah. Just because yeah, yeah. I got this very strong feel for who he was as a character and a worker really quick. This, yeah. It, it just felt like they were whatever. Uh, it, it does, which I didn't see this coming, and with, with, with Harley Race retaining his crown, and, you know, Junkyard bow, or he curtsies a little bit, and he does a little bow. And little then he does bow. Just a little baby bow. But then, but then Race, of course, gets up to gloat, and JYD hits him with a chair. Yeah, this is this is a, this was a show of baby faces got to get the heat back, as they say. This is very common in older shows of like baby faces always got to stand tall at the end in some way. Like you can't just yeah. have the heel be the winner and that's that. I mean, it it seems like it seems like they all. Well, I, I guess you could do moral high ground because because I mean, I have seen in this era spots of the heel doing a post loss attack. Sure, sometimes, 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 but especially for a big show like WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. good guys winning only. <laughs> good guys winning, even if it's in spirit only. Yeah. Yep. No. Good. Now that's how this goes. But yeah. Okay. So the match ends when Harley Race. Uh, and Bobby Heenan interferes with Harley Ray, the JYD, and then Race hits a belly to belly suplex, and then just mm-hmm. wins. And I was like, "Whoa, yep. I didn't." Okay. Yeah, sure. And why then, not? but yeah, we already covered everything that happened there. But JYD walked off with the King's robes and rode yeah. away with it, and Harley Race is just standing there mad the whole time. Yeah, he's he's oh man, he he don't he don't like that. Oh well, you can, you can go. Oh well, poor bugger, move on. Yeah, then then uh, after that we get a Hulk Hogan promo with Vince McMahon, where Hogan was, is just doing his shouty. Man? Yeah, yeah, it is. Wait, what is my? He has another. He has another oh, promo. Oh wait, later. wait, 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 wait. There's one more thing from this match because I thought mm-hmm. for some reason this was this this was the next match, but I guess it happened here. Uh, Gorilla made some comment. <laughs> you know, if we're talking about shenanigans, oh, he did do. Oh, he did do the, the Pearl Harbor the phrase, line. Pearl Harbor gets tossed around a lot these okay, days. Okay, yeah. So, so just so people know, is that one of Gorilla Monsoon's biggest commentary like catchphrases is when somebody attacks somebody from bo- suddenly and from behind. Um, he uses the phrase Pearl Harbor job to describe yep. it. Why does he, do he a have sneak such attack a from behind? Complex. Why does he have such a Pearl Harbor complex? That's so what I just feel like that's in such poor taste. Like I know it's like fucking fifty years later, but it feels like such poor taste, you know? I guess the question is like at what point at what point are we Well that's a good question. Is at what point or what at what point are we allowed to call do call a nine eleven job? At what point does that become acceptable? I can't wait for that day on the wrestling commentary for for someone to say, "Man, that was a real nine eleven job right there." Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he does say that then, and he used and I caught him saying it again during the Savage. Yeah, but match. wait, what, what did he even say that for? Because I because that was I think that was when, after the decision. That was after the match was done. I'm pretty sure he said that about JYD hitting him with the chair. Well, no, because he wouldn't. Have oh, said he, that no, he that one he said he crowned him. We crowned, yeah, he him crowned with the him. chair. He crowned him. Jesse's like, did, oh god, did damn it. it! No, you didn't say it. I don't remember the exact context for the Pearl Harbor. Because I, 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 I know that, that happened. I have in my notes that was it? Question mark? Question mark? And then I have why does Gorilla Monsoon have such a Pearl Harbor complex? I don't know. Oh, I think I think he probably said that to describe the Bobby Heen interference. Oh, oh, they were like watching a replay or something. Yeah, I think they showed uh, the replay. 
yeah okay whatever but yeah yeah so so that's uh that's pearl harbor number one of the night folks it won't be the last won't be the last but yeah vince and hogan hogan is in his shoutiest and to be honest i thought i was gonna remember more of what insane shit he was saying in this promo but then he gets crazier later so i actually don't remember a whole lot of it okay hogan here is constructing some fucking near deific imagery of himself about how he's oh now to- i remember what he's talking about of the last stand. this is people this is people i was after i was done hanging and banging uh yeah yeah he fucking all these shout out to the hulk rules lyrics hanging and banging is his terminology for lifting weights if you don't know oh i'm aware i'm aware yeah. so he's riding his motorcycle and people telling him man this is the last ride of hulk hogan and he talks about he's talking about how you know all i have to do is i just have to beat the seven foot five 500 pound giant but you andre you have to be all the hulkamaniacs in the world yeah and, he, and he's talking about like he's gonna teach andre the purest truth which what the fuck he he's he's rambling he's incoherent this is deranged i'm legit i was legitimately like terrified this man is going completely off his rocker on a complete dissociative ego trip to the goddamn moon just to avoid thinking about the fact that maybe he's a shitty friend yep pretty much yes next up we have the dream team brutus beefcake and greg the hammer valentine versus the ruggio brothers Jacques and Raymond. Yep. Uh, which I learned tonight that Jacques Ruggio goes on to be the Mountie. Thank you for that little yep, bit of trivia. He does. Also, this was the this was the match where I explicitly noticed slash had pointed out to me that the Federettes. Yes, that's, the Federettes. They got the ring attendants because I don't think we explained this, but the the, the ring this the walkway to the ring is extremely long, and so almost everybody to going to the ring and going from the ring, they ride this little cart to the ring. And when they get to the ring, you have the federettes who unclip the ropes in the cart to get them off of the ring, to get them, let them walk to the ring. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just find it so funny. The federettes is such a goofy name and they're in these like weird purple flight attendant esque get ups. Yeah. It's, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, the match is fine. I don't have a lot to say about it. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like fucking. Uh, uh, first of all, shout out to yet another entry in the Greg Valentine lore. Yep, Colin. We got the fifteen minutes line again. It's the, fantastic. Yeah. It, and and I I feel like there was something else too, but I can't I can't remember. But there was something else I think. Like, but I yeah, it's either. it's just it's just about how unstoppable Greg Valentine is if he hits that if he hits that fifteen minutes, you're all fucking done for. I guess. I need to look. Uh, I need to look up Greg Valentine's win loss record. Oh, and it matches longer than fifteen minutes. I gotta it was, know. It was like it was like the the longer he's in the ring, the stronger he gets. Yeah, something like that. I don't understand. Yeah. The match was, again, fine. It it is the most fillery match we watched. And to be fair, in the front half, I made, I kind of said it was filler, but I said it because I needed to literally fill out two hours in a block. 
Uh, the match has interesting end, though, and that pays off late in the next match, actually. So kind of glad we picked, we watched it. Yeah. Kind of, I didn't even do that on purpose. Yeah, this, this whole, this whole thing is this, 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 this whole match got, got weird because first of all, they're really going hard on, oh, we got to clamp down and not doing double team moves in this. Oh yeah. Jesse even, Jesse Ventura was real complaining about this. And it's, and I told David, it's like, it's this very 1987 philosophy. Like this is like in the modern day, like I know some people complain about not enough tag team moves, but so, but for the most part, most people are willing to let it go if people do tag team move like double team two on one moves because it's fun to watch like and but like jesse is like strict enforcement yeah five jesse, seconds get out he really gives a shit about those rules dude it's kind of wild it's fascinating it's, it's really funny that the heel commentator is the one who's such a stickler mm-hmm well, I guess it makes sense for the for the eighties where even fucking heels or faces could break rules all the time, damn time. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Also also at this point, Brain is Brain has jumped on commentary. He's having a Hulk esque breakdown too. Yeah, he is trying to claim that he is two and oh on the night. Because, yeah. Because uh because um Harley Race won and Hercules didn't lose to Billy Jack Haynes. Yep. Which Gorilla points out, well, first of all, your man didn't win that match either. Yeah. And then and he, he tried, and then and he's and like, he well, for like, my estimation, then he, yeah, for my estimation, Brain, you're one for three because your man Bundy lost. Sheesh. To which Heenan's response was, I wasn't out there because I can't, because I am not, I don't like midgets. I don't, so I wasn't out there. Ooh, kindly to that. No, sir. No, it, yeah, yeah. So that that was the other thing too of completely fucking ending my friendship with is 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 Heenan's over here dissing on the little people for for my for my theater fans out there. Heenan be like, dwarves are very upsetting. <laughs> it was it was not a, it was not a great time. I felt very ashamed of myself for falling in yeah. to Bobby the Brain Heenan's trap of thinking he was a respectable intellectual on on commentary when in fact he's, he's just as much a goober as all the rest of them. How yeah. how, how could he do this to me? But obviously, Gorilla is having absolutely none of Bobby Heenan's dumb bullshit. <laughs> no, well, he 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 never is. Of course, he has to put the foot down with the classic. Uh, his his. his uh, Gorilla's finisher move, the, uh, uh, oh, come on now. <laughs> anyway, the match kind of breaks down. Uh, yeah. Beefcake, uh, Beefcake accidentally hits Valentine with an old malfunction at the junction. And, but, but because the referee was f- arguing with Beefcake over the interference, they end up turning the tables. Dino Bravo helps, uh, Valentine cheat to win. And yep. so the Greg, the dream team wins the match, mm-hmm. but it ends with them arguing and the Greg Valentine, who also came to the ring with Johnny Valiant and Dino Bravo, they leave without beefcake, which I did slightly get confused by this. If beefcake is the one that, that hit, uh, that, 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 that hit Valentine, why, why is he the one who's upsetty about about the 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 win? Like, did he just throw principles all of a sudden? 
I mean, yes, he's turning babyface. <laughs> of course he did. Was there anything prior to this to set up that he doesn't approve of the of doesn't approve of the methods? No, it's more of like the it's it's a continued the dysfunction of like when they fucked up with the Adrian Adonis when they teamed with Adonis. Mm-hmm. That got Beefcake's haircut. Like, yeah. other than that, it's that's pretty much it. Is they're just they're starting to become dysfunctional, and so they have broken up as a tag. Fair. But that's the end of that. And then after that, we get to Roddy Piper and Adrian Adonis. <laughs> Adonis says words that I don't understand. I would probably understand more if I understood his character more. Yeah, I didn't. He's I didn't clearly get making that. references to his bits, and I'm like, I don't know any of your bits. What are you saying? Yeah. yeah. And then we go over to Piper, and Piper is also every. This is just a night of mental breakdowns, I guess. Piper's mm-hmm. losing his shit. He's real mad about Adonis, and he kind of fucking slips into a bit of a Scottish accent by the end of it. He's he got a little mm-hmm. bit of that throat going because he's so angry. Yep. So then we get to the match. This the Pi- Roddy Piper's retirement match. Yeah, uh, hair versus uh, Adrian hair. Adonis has brought fucking hedge clippers to the ring, which I finally understand why that is. Is because he had because his talk show bit the flower shop, and so that's a holdover from that. But also, he's threatening to cut Roddy Piper's hair with the clippers. Yeah, and I mean Roddy Piper destroyed his his set. If that's if that's the case, mm-hmm. I don't know why Adrian Donis was anyway. Uh, the, so I guess he's just real mad about his his flower shop getting getting torn up by Piper, who was in like a fucking blood rage. They they showed a clip of this. And yeah, I, I God, whatever everyone in this episode was on tonight, can I have some? <laughs> they, they, they must have like done a communal round before. Yeah. before show like that was their fucking pre-show ritual and oh hell you know, oh hell yeah it was pre-show during the show post-show poke <laughs> all around snow everywhere snowfall in michigan baby infamous yep. infamous absolutely snowfall um, in march is yeah unironically Un- michigan weather <laughs> anyway piper comes to the ring and he actually walks to the ring he's one of two people who walk to the ring tonight yeah, don't ride uh, the carriage to the ring. He he's like, I ain't need that that wheeled shit. I got two good legs. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I fuck was this was this now? Oh yeah, at the at the end of Piper's promo, he says something about he, he makes a joke about Adonis dressing in drag for his talk show bit. I guess. Oh yeah, he's uh, like he's like I'm not gonna lose to a guy to a man he, who wears a dress. dress. And and as you so clearly point out, and like I was thinking. Uh, I'm usually not one to to rag on this point because right. it's dumb. But Roddy, right, right. R- Roddy, you wear a kilt to the ring. You wear a like, kilt always. Like I wouldn't. What's really the difference here? Way. But but yeah, the the it's really pointing is, out the like, hypocrisy. Like what's the difference between a kilt and a dress? It's a few feet of fabric. That that's a that's about it. I I just by your logic, buddy. C- c- come on. Come yeah, what now. are you doing? Usually that line gets reserved f- toward people who wear kilts, not mm-hmm. the kilt wearers themselves. I feel like you should know better than whatever, whatever. Yeah, I, come on, man. 
he's retired he's retiring tonight i i know i should just shut my mouth i don't want to like poop the party or whatever i, I just, i'm just speaking my own my own two cents you know it's just me yeah anyway we get to the match and honestly i liked it as like it felt kind of blood feudy like, it did my my only gripe well it, it's a it's a slight gripe in that like it did feel very blood it was vicious but like it was almost it was one-sided toward adonis for almost the entire thing for some reason they didn't let piper get a whole lot of actual hits in they just mm -hmm. saw him thrown around which i thought was a weird move for a retirement it did feel like a blood feud mind you mm -hmm. but it felt like a weirdly one-sided blood feud yeah we've kind of fallen you know it's the classic trope we got it baby, baby faces usually just keep getting beaten down to build to the comeback and all that well, yeah, but the comeback wasn't even of his own volition because it wasn't. because newly babyface Brutus Beefcake shows up in the ring, and after Piper's been tossed around, he's been disoriented, he's been fucking thrown into the the, the ring post so many times, he's been tossed around, he's lying on the ground, he's he's knocked out, and and Adonis gets him in this chokehold, and the ref is trying to check to see if he's knocked out, if he's, he's doing the he's arm or anything, and Adonis. Like one, an idiot. Yeah. So he rose one, one two, two, and Adonis just lets go because he thinks it was number he just three. He's like, it's fine. I got it. And then yeah. he thinks he's one, and this gives Brutus Beefcake an opportunity to run into the ring and take out Jimmy Hart. Yep. And then Piper gets his sleeper hold on. Yeah, and... well, and he, Piper doesn't even get up with his own volition. Fucking Brutus, like, shakes him oh, back. Oh, yeah, Piper breaks and shakes him up. Shakes him up. So he turns around, gets a surprise sleeper on on Adonis. One, two, three, he's done. He's down. Um, yeah. But, like, I, I just, th what a weird way to rob Roddy, Roddy Piper of his agency in his final match. Mm -hmm. like, I, I see I'm, that. The moment that it's 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 the thing of it's again it's the it's the ethos of this company wanting to create moments it was a great moment but the story to build to it i thought was kind of shit personally of, fair. Fair. of roddy doesn't even do a single <clears throat> damn thing except hit a sleeper finisher and that's that's what ends it yeah, I, I, knows, I, 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 it, weird. it could have had a little more hope spots and i agree yeah, that, that was, but like, but it does make for a great moment because he gets the win. It, it, the crowd loses its fucking mind. They're on their feet. They go to grab the which there there are professional barber supplies right. and uh, people by the ring. Which Don't gotta use the hedge clippers. Adonis brought the hedge clippers. They're completely for show. Come on, come on, man. Don't don't talk a big yeah. Game like so that. beefcake. And this is a bit of a revenge for Beefcake because because of the aforementioned the because of malfunctions at the junctions. Adrian Adonis cut Beefcake's hair last time we sure. saw these two together, and so he grabs a hold of Adonis and he starts shaving the head, and it mostly doesn't work. It's just, this is one of those things where like this never works. Like they try to do these bits, like we're going to shave their head live on in, in the ring and it always looks gross and they always struggle to cut the hair. Mm. There's, you know, probably reasons for that. They don't really know how to run a shape, use a shaving tool. Yeah. They're all sweaty and gross. I, 
you know, they're trying not to cut anybody up. It hap it happens. But you know, they do get enough of his hair off that it looks all chunky yeah, and gross. You cut you kinda get the point and mm. and it yeah, it looks it looks bad and and Piper's got the fucking mirror by Adonis's back, just waiting for him to turn around and see. And of course he does, and he's horrified. It's like, oh but he tries to punch the mirror to of course symbolism. Uh yeah. But he ends up he ends up running out of the ring. As much to my surprise, this mirror did not break. I thought for sure there was. Gonna I be guess like he a didn't try. I guess he didn't punch it very hard. Probably for yeah, the but safest. Even, but Piper like fucking hits him or Jimmy Hart or someone with the mirror. He's later trying, on. He swings it. I don't think he hits anybody with oh, it. Either way, yeah, we we surprisingly don't get a shatter spot with this mirror. I was a little surprised, but also I imagine they don't mm. want to clean up sharp glass or whatever. Yeah. Like that. Um, but. But but yeah, so they they escort a horrified, shamed Adonis out of his ring. His lucha de apuestas record just got a little worse. Waka waka. Yeah, sad to Piper, hear. Piper's celebrating in ring, and <laughs> probably one of my favorite moments from this episode. You see this fucking dude jump. Into oh the fuck! Ring. I forgot about this. And you see this guy jump into the ring, and and he comes up and he like brawls <laughs> Piper, and I'm like. Who is that? Is is that like is that like Piper's brother? Is that is that his is, is Austin's like that? That looks like he could be his son, but I'm not entirely sure. So we're kind of puzzling over this, and then we cut to a different angle, and, and Piper's exiting the ring, and and then Austin goes, you know, it could be someone who jumped who who jumped the ring, and I go, that'd be funny, and, then and you can see the security head. guards in the back grabbing this guy in the ring. As if he did jump in the ring. It pulls away enough as Piper's walking out. <laughs> Two dudes in all black just fucking this guy up. And it was so Man jumped the ring just to make just to show Piper how much he liked him. Big fan. (laughs) Just just the fact that it was in the background. And and it's Piper having this super triumphant moment. Everyone's loving him. He's 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 reveling in his final, well supposedly final moments in ring. It's so good. And then, just in the background, this, this dude who jumped the ring to fucking Algarotti Piper, this rando is getting roughed up by arena cops. It's so good. It's such a funny image. I am. I will never be over the. You can't pay for this kind of production value. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, it was so good. Oh yep. man, that was my favorite. Holy shit. Oh Absolutely good times. But Roddy Roddy Piper, he's ending his career on with a win. And that is that. Time to make they live. So then we move on to the six man tag team match. Danny Davis. Verse and the Hart Foundation versus Tito Santana and the British Bulldogs. Yeah. Also, at some point in this, Euchre is still being horny for Moolah, and I have no idea why. Why are we still on this bit? 
he couldn't find her apparently. Because, yo, uh, yeah, yeah he, he like fucking went down to try to find Mula to I don't know, I guess sexually assault her and couldn't. So he came back the tail between his legs like I I couldn't find Mula. It's real yeah. shame too. So Jesse leaves commentary to introduce the Heart Foundation himself. So commentary for the mat for this match is Gorilla Monsoon, Bob Uecker, and Mary Hart. And not uh, not Mean Gene. I don't know who the second tuxed up dude was. Do you know that other guy's name who was in the tux and doing ring announcing? Uh, Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel. That was probably it. Yeah. Finkel. Finkel. Uh, oh described- yeah, Finkel. Yeah, he did do this. <laughs> Fingal describes Jesse Ventura this, uh, as, as a person the same way you could uh, describe uh, Jesse Ventura's presidential run is uh, the man who allegedly tells it like it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Such a great little take. Appreciate that. Uh, also, hey, uh, Austin and I were having a good laugh earlier this week to once again date our show about about on Dynamite. Anthony Bowen's calling Darby Allen uh, Nightmare Before Christmas looking ass. We want to talk about Nightmare Before Christmas looking ass. Danny Davis is still in his goofy ass pseudo pinstripe. Yes, he's still in pinstripe. Yeah, it's like this. I, I, I realized like toward the end of last time we commented on this era it's it's supposed to be like a parody ref suit but it just looks so bad and and it's weird too he's got it all like wonky part of it's like tilted inward and i'm just like god damn davis is such a goober and uh they shout out that davis has been suspended for life plus 10 years i, I don't guess know where I, the 10 years came from yeah all right. either, i guess tunny was just feeling extra spiteful afterward or something mm. i don't uh, know but, but the, my favorite part is talking about his Danny Davis's weird fucking costume. Is we cut over to 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 a previous interview segment that was done earlier in the night with with the Heart Foundation and Danny Davis, and they're just kind of going, "Oh man, we're gonna win. We're gonna kick some butt." Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But. but from either side of Davis, uh, Brett and Jim kind of, kind of like bro hug him and it ruffles up his suit and you see it kind of ruffles up his suit in the way that it's currently ruffled up in the ring. So he clearly just got it like ruffled up during this pre-match segment and just never fixed it, which I think is so funny. I don't even know if that was intentional. I doubt it was, but it just adds to what a little goober Danny Davis is pure mm-hmm. art. That's a great character building, guys. You've done good. Yep. And if you real, and if you really want to know how serious of a wrestler I'm supposed to take, Danny Davis, he ta- he he comes he comes in the ring in this stupid jacket and shit, mm-hmm. and then he takes the jacket off and he wrestles in a plain white tee, like he's about to go sing "Hey There, Delilah," and 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 then he's got pinstripe pants. But plain and, and white T-shirt, weird, like, pinstripe boots too. Mm-hmm. So looking but, great. Oh yeah, what what was that? What was that about? About oh the, the Christmas episode, the one dude who won Proto NXT and is like, we haven't even got his gear yet. Maven. Maven. Yeah, Danny Davis mavening it up over here. Yeah, pretty much. Ben so Tito. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was like Tito and the Bulldogs come out with Matilda and to, and I, something I appreciate because I didn't know this is that they talk about Tito's beef with Tito Santana's beef with Danny Davis is that 
when, is that Danny Davis screwed Tito Santana out of the Intercontinental Championship, and that's how Randy Savage won it a year oh, prior. Oh, yeah. I kind of missed that part, but mm-hmm. that's a that's a great little – I'll give it to him. That's a great little way to tie him into this, to this triples match. Yeah. Also, I really want to shake the hand of, like, whoever trained Matilda. I just appreciate any dog who can be trained to foe attack like that. I Oh, I yeah. Know. Matilda – Matilda did her job. Also, Mary Hart is very insistent that she has no relation to to anyone else named Hart this evening, particularly Jimmy Hart. She's like, there was a time, but not anymore. And I'm like, what? And I, I'm just over here wondering what time there was that she well, would she be was- okay associating herself by blood with Jimmy Hart. Yeah, okay. So I guess it's a good time to talk about the guest commentators because I was, I liked them. Oh, no, like, I thought it was great. Like, they, they got some goofy spots, but overall, I quite enjoyed their presence. They added... Like, they added I think I think it really works because, like, Bob Uecker, he's a sports commentator and he clearly knows enough about this to, like, not sound stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so he sounds intelligent and Mary Hart is a little more, like, emotional, like, she She's is a little cop. less knowledgeable, but she is able. She kind of like is a, does a good job of like frame of talking about the match and getting the story beats. And yeah, I'll, to her credit, she knew what a her too. yeah. To, to her credit, she knew what a pile driver was. Yeah, I'm impressed. Not not every guest comment celebrity commentator is that well knowledgeable. I hazard a guess that she was at least a passing wrestling fan. She had to have been. She seemed so happy to be here. Yeah, I think Euchre and Hart were probably casual wrestling fans. If I had to assume their wrestling fandom from how they were on this show, I'd guess they were casual fans who yeah, knew probably. enough about it to sound comfortable presenting yeah, on TV. Absolutely. And like, and like I said, Mary Hart has got a, a good little wit on her. She seems clearly able to mm-hmm. kind of pick up on little things she can say and insert that, that it, yeah, just added some fun little yeah. flavor. Like that. I yeah. Like, it. like, like the bit with Jimmy Hart. She's like, you know, maybe at one point in time, I would have been willing to claim Jimmy Hart related to Jimmy Hart. But you know, after this, with this Danny Davis character associating with his Danny Davis character, I, I can't do it. Mary Hart, no relation. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so the match I had, I match is good. The match, the match is pretty good. It, it, it follows this wild trajectory of starting off as kind of a legit, straightforward match, and then you tag Danny Davis in. And, <laughs> and, and, and I love Danny Davis in this match. Again, ultimate goober energy. I was disappointed at first, just on the grounds of what I wanted this to be. I wanted it to be like surprise. Danny Davis is actually a really te- technically competent wrestler, but he just wasn't. But instead, what it was was he gets tagged in, he makes a couple cheap shots, then he tags immediately back out. This he is just clearly just the whole time. Thing. And I find it very funny that that these like technical champions in the form of the Hart Foundation are cool with just having this dude like, tag along and dick around just because he's helping out. blatant ass third, third wheel liability. Yeah. Just, just, just because he's he's fucking stroked their dicks in the past they're they're mm-hmm. they're they're having to be like yeah we'll indulge you come on buddy let's have some fun Get in there. What you, what's better than this guys being dudes and and so davis gets all these all these weird little cheap shots also random ass spot in the middle of this match of jesse ventura stealing matilda that just never oh yeah they, the rest of the episode no no oh, i want that? yeah I don't know. I guess he just takes Matilda away so that the Bulldogs can't 
unleash her on anybody. But it, like, it just is a quick cut away, a quick cut to to yeah. Ventura on the cart walking, going away with the with Matilda, and they just never bring it up again. Basically, like Benny Hill music. He's just. It's so good, very very good. But at one point. Davis Davis tags back in, gets a little too cocky, and it gets caught by Danny. Was that was that Davy Boy that got that, that? Yeah, that had to have been Davy Boy. That, that Davy. Okay, Davy Boy. Uh, he just he just fucking kills Danny Davis because yeah, he does. He hits, um, he hits him with a pile driver, and he's mm-hmm. like, "No, nah, I'm not going to pin him off now." He picks him up, hits him with a suplex, and then he picks him up for the running power slam. Yeah, which is his signature move. I was like, "Damn, okay." Mm-hmm. But then Jim Neidhart breaks up the pin, and it all starts devolving into shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And in the ensuing brawl, Danny Davis gets a hold of Jimmy Hart's megaphone, clocks British Bulldog in the face with yeah. the megaphone, and then he pins him one, a two, a three. 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 Yeah, Danny getting, Davis getting, getting I the pin was I it was kind of like a an obvious move if you think about it but it was a great again great little way to just let this goober this this little gremlin of a man just just have his day in the sun for being such a little shit I do have to appreciate though the the, the segment the the extended segment where Davy Boy Smith is to put the technical term on it, absolutely murdering Danny Davis. That must have been such a cathartic moment for the whole crowd of just watching him get his due. But then he, but then Davis and Co. still managed to get the dub. What a great little way to toy with the crowd's emotions of finally he's getting his retribution. And then <laughs> no, he's still cheating to win. No. Yeah, nope, nope. That that must have been a real roller coaster for the crowd. But I, I do appreciate it was a catharsis match. Honestly. I also appreciate too. I look. I, I I don't know every single thing going on in this era, storyline wise, behind the scenes, why writing wise. I don't know why they decided to set it up this way. But this was a fun. Uh, ultimately, what this was, this was a stealth comedy match, and I found it. I found it fun for what that was. I don't know why they were doing that with with tag team champions, the 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 Hart Foundation in such a comedy style, but I, I, I thought it was a fun little jaunt for what it was. Yeah. Uh, then we get a mean gene interview with Andre and Bobby Heenan and Bobby Heenan does all the talking. He basically is like gloating that this is his night. This is the night that he is going to manage the WWE champion and Hogan. You're getting those butterflies in your stomach. Cause I am too. Cause I can feel it. Poor Andre just keeps getting used. Also, to cut back real quick uh, uh, on the sub, on the theme, the motif, if you will, of learning the wrong lessons tonight. I I do find it funny that leading into this segment about the the toxic friendship and learning wrong lessons from 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 what's going on here. That the the, the lesson to be learned in the at the end of the freaking Danny Davis match is bulldog. Don't don't get too hung up on petty revenge. Don't be a child, or other otherwise you don't get to win. You let I, your I, vengeance consume you. Your vengeance consume. Yeah, we just keep uh, all the wrong morals for all the wrong people tonight. Yeah, look, 
I think retributive justice is cringe, but in the confines of wrestling, if you want to rough up Danny Davis a little bit extra, Godspeed, you know, yeah, I think that, you know. I think that is, uh, if, if any retribution is earned, I think that is one of them. So I find that very funny that it then leads into the, the, oh yeah, also we're still going to totally pretend like Andre's the bad guy this whole time, but poor Andre is getting directly used by Heenan too. This man, my wholesome boy, he just, he can't catch a break. I feel so bad for him. This is such a harrowing tale. Oh, yeah. but yeah. After that, we get Butch Reed and Coco Beware. We didn't watch it, but it ends when Butch Reed rolls up. Coco Beware use hit he where he grabs the tights. And then after the match, Slick runs into the ring and hits Coco Beware at the pit cane. But Tio Santana comes to save the day. And so that's that. Cool. Moving on. Ricky Steamboat versus Randy Savage. God. Okay. I don't know why. Uh, everything about Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat seems like a phenomenal worker. I've now seen him in ring. He is a phenomenal yes. worker. I can't wrap my head around the nuclear levels of cringe that everything associated with Ricky Steamboat keeps posting. Like, first of all, we get this rundown of the feud as it's, as it's been going, and we see how Savage kind of destroyed Steamboat, like, attacked his throat, and then whammed him with a ring bell. Uh, uh, and and we get this segment with Ming Jean talking to who appears to be, is ostensibly Ricky Steamboat's doctor. Supposedly but, the doctor. But, but the doctor is clearly wearing no shirt under his lab coat and just looks like some jobber they dressed up as a doctor. And probably because it probably was. Yeah, but so <laughs> he's like, he's like, oh, yes, mm, by my expert medical perspective, the, uh, like Ricky Steamboat will live. He is tremendous. It's incredible. Power. Well, you know, but but then he says some cheesy ass line about, I don't think it was the, it was the, it was the strength of his heart. More than anything. Thank you, Doctor. Very technical uh, technical thing to be talking about. Ricky Steamboat's clearly metaphorical heart in his in, in how the hell he survived his his throat being yeeted by Randy Savage. That's great. And, and then we we cut to a promo with, with Steamboat himself. And I don't why is he Neo I know Kung Fu posting? He does what? he cause he cause he knows martial arts, David. What is this? I, I wanna like Ricky Steamboat and I do when he's not opening his damn mouth. Yeah, he's never been the greatest promo guy. He is he is he kind of is like the most wholesome of baby faces, but man, he, he was never a great promo. So he has no self awareness whatsoever. And it's he's, so he's the drag he's the dragon. Well, I I am the I am the dragon, I will breathe fire and burn your back tonight, Savage. Yeah, sure. We get to the ring. I really Oh but no, the you the Savage promo where oh. he rambles about uh, Ricky Steamboat some more and ends with an iconic Savage line is history beckons the macho man. Great. Quality line. I, I, I appreciate that. History beckoneth indeed. We get we now get to the ring. I really have to point out that, that Randy Savage seems to have my sense of color coordination and unfortunately that is not a compliment. He's got... How dare you! Look, look I like I am a weird person. I get a kick out of dressing in somewhat clashing colors. I don't care if other people are weirded out by it. This is how I, I, I do not judge remotely 
but I know other people do. <laughs> Dissing the pink trunks with the yellow boots. I mean, I appreciate it. I appreciate the combo. I just I just know other people might chafe at it, and I I I, I, I wish to express camaraderie with my fellow color loving boy, Randy Savage. The, the the pink trunks, the yellow boots. Live your truth, buddy. I support you. Abs abs ab, absolutely. Mm. And then Steamboat comes out, accompanied by George the Animal Steel for some reason. I guess they threw in that I guess he has recent history with Savage too from that time that Yeah, they're that, kind of they're that, kind that, of that animal. They're they're very enemy awesomely, and my enemy bidding here. Yeah, yeah. Uh that that time that animal wholesomely, baby facely kidnapped Miss Elizabeth. Right. So he's he's here too. Phenomenal. Uh, Thankfully, well, he was not a big part of the match. He was not, at least not he, in like the creepy way. Yeah, he did not make a single advance toward Miss Elizabeth. Hallelujah! I would. I don't want to think about what happened after he stole her away and what must have ensued between him, him and Savage. Uh, anyway, but as Steamboat is making his way into the ring. Jesse Ventura says something about uh, hearkening back to the, the brilliant medical analysis from Ricky Steamboats, and I can't put this in heavy enough air quotes, Dr. Jesse Ventura, for some reason, feels compelled to say, they say he's got a lot of heart, but I think he's got a lot of throat. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Great line, Jesse! Jesse Ventura, a man... With with a poet's a poet's tongue, a, a, a way with words, unlike few other people, as as we will see more examples of for the rest of this evening. Oh man! Yep, <clears throat> that was his so, uh, highlight line. Uh, <laughs> Savage Steamboat. Hmm. Uh, real hot take here to say it's really freaking good. Yeah, I quite I quite enjoyed it. I thought that was a phenomenal bout between the two of them. Yeah. They they do get some shenaniganery going on here, but mm. it's it's pretty acceptable in that the work rate for most of it is is off the charts. They get some they Absolutely. I mean these are two men who clearly have phenomenal in-ring chemistry and they show it off beautifully. I even mm. I this is something this is something I made a connection to. I have no idea if this was intentional or not, but I did really like this. Uh, back during Full Gear, the uh, I guess now last year, the the, the MJF Darby Allen match where MJF was dressed in a Randy Savage homage. He and Darby had this insane spot where they were grappled onto each other and they were like fucking roly polying around the ring to try to pin each other. Mm-hmm. I saw like a tiny, tiny microcosm version of that in this match wherein they they have a they're grappled onto each other and they do one rolls back to pin the other one the other rolls back and yeah it's really lightning quick and it's just one and one and they're then they're done but i almost wonder if that was a direct homage if if mjf was also was also randy savage cosplaying for that because it, it was that was a legitimately great spot, and I could see how that could go on to inspire future spots like that. That was phenomenal. These are I. It's not like we we focus a lot on this show whenever Randy Savage is on screen about just what a horribly toxic, significant other other he was. But goddamn, damn, that what man an all time great wrestler and incredibly talented worker. It's insane. His work still holds up to this day. His wrestling mm-hmm. is is to 
die for. That man had so much talent in him. I I can't it, it it knocks me on my ass every time I watch him fight in earnest because the results are incredible. I it's undeniable. I Absolutely. got it. But ironically, the cream rises to the top here. Ooh, Which man. that was his promo, by the way. Is, that, is he was the one who did the cream rise to the no, top? No, I know, right? I know, I know. That that was the I there are some things I do know about that I get to learn about. Rise. Pulling out pulling out cream cup, cups of cream is amazing. Yeah, so goofy. Uh, yeah, uh, like oh, the match has a reputation. Sorry, go for it. I was gonna say is the re- match has a reputation as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, in match in WrestleMania history. I would disagree that it's the greatest. I think I that I think that I think that modern wrestling has kind of there's there's a couple several matches I would put above it. But I will say is that it was the greatest match at WrestleMania for a very long time, and it is absolutely a classic. And so far outside of the kind of wrestling that the rest of the WWF was doing at the time. Yeah. We've watched a lot of this era and they weren't doing a whole lot of stuff quite like Steamboat and Savage did on this night. Mm. This, yeah, this felt like a modern feud. We just saw Mm. a tiny, tiny little bit of it, a a microscopic Mm -hmm. little bit of this, but it felt like a modern feud. It felt like, this one really clicked in the sensibilities of how good wrestling storytelling can really work on TV in an era where they were mm-hmm. still really figuring out how to how to do that. This felt kind of ahead of its time. I'll, you know, it's been way too long, so I've got to drop a really spicy take on this show. I'll drop a really spicy take right now that I'm sure would probably piss some people off if I said it. I think this is stronger than, than even uh, uh, Andre Hogan ends up being. I, I will. I will that's drop. not spicy at all. I got the spicy take spicy on that match. You just wait. You just wait. Okay. Okay. I got no. the real spice. I got the real spicy take on that match. We'll get there. I mean, I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here mm-hmm. for it. Uh, also, in this match, we get another drink every time Gorilla says "fucking Pearl Harbor spot." He does. He does the Pearl Harbor job again when when Savage like sends Ricky Steamboat over the railing. Over he throws yeah. that Steamboat over a table over the railing into the crowd. Also, um, also Jesse Ventura can't stop saying Larynx instead of, instead of like drinks. He keeps saying Larynx and I'm like, Jesse, buddy, (laughs) again, a man with a way with words. Although I will give him credit for this line is, is, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was Savage gets a, hits, hits a clothesline on Steamboat and, and Gorilla comments on it and says, I wonder if that was deliberate. And Jesse shoots back. <laughs> of course it's deliberate. You think you just fell right into it? <laughs> yeah, okay. What what Jess what what Gorilla was trying to say and didn't say it correctly was he was trying <laughs> to suggest that what Savage did is he knocked Steamboat neck first into the ropes as an mm. attempt to hurt him. And what's and what Gorilla was trying to say was that like intentionally attacking his throat like that should be considered a DQ. But of course, all he said was, was that clothesline in that clothesline looked intentional. So of course, you know, Jesse Ventura grabbed onto that and was like, what? Of course it's intentional. (laughs) What are you stupid? Yeah. Yeah. But that, that was a great little comeback line from Ventura. I appreciated it. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, fantastic match! And again, sat is that Georgie Animal Steel stays the fuck out of this match. Like, yeah, he really, he really only, only shows up at the very end. 
yeah, he helps Ricky Steamboat get up from what probably should have been a count out, but yeah. And Ventura was losing his mind on commentary about this. The, the Dave Hebner was taking more time to berate Savage for attacking yeah. Steamboat on the outside than like actually counting out Steamboat. But the only, the big in, the big impact that that Steel has on the match is the very end when Savage grabs the ring bell and he's gonna fucking do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, Steve and then. Gonna fucking do it again, <laughs> and then uh, Steamboat, and then George Steele interferes and and stops Savage from doing that. He ends up knocking Savage off the top rope with ring bell in hand, so he falls. And commentary tries to sell like Steamboat that Savage might have hit his head on the ring bell. He didn't very clearly, but he still drops it, and then. That gives Steamboat an opportunity to roll Savage up into a pin, and then that's enough. One, two, three. Yep. Steamboat is the new Intercontinental Champion. Yeah, that that was a solid way to end it too. Of trying mm-hmm. to of hark of Savage trying to harken back to the last time he got a real good drop on Ricky, but this time he was denied. Ricky, yep. Ricky's Ricky's outsmarting him this time, baby. Yep. Absolutely, all timer of a match. Good, yeah, glad to have seen. I, yep. I have to agree. I was really blown away by that one. I hundred yep. percent. Right, moving on, we get the Honky Tonk Man versus Jake Roberts again. Sadly, we didn't watch this match. The match <laughs> ends where uh, Honky Tonk Man rolls up Jake Roberts. You know, pin, puts his legs up on the ropes for leverage. Them's a cheating and pins him for the win. After the match, he tries to elkabong Jake. It fails, and instead, he uh, he uh, runs off and he leaves Jimmy Hart to get attacked by the snake. With Alice, Alice Cooper grabs the snake and attacks Jimmy Hart with it, and that is the end of that. So then we get uh, Howard Finkel introducing Mean Gene Okerlund to say the indoor attendance record of ninety three thousand one hundred and seventy three. I love how specific a fudged number that was. So yeah. they, they, they're like, what's the, we got, we got to add some random digits to make this sound legit. Make this sound legit. We can't, we can't, we can't show that we definitely fudged it. Yeah. Uh, nine, three, one, seven, three. Is that today's Powerball number? Probably. All right, cool. Let's roll with it. Yeah. But obviously again, the real total was about 78,000. I looked this up while I was, uh, had a chance to look it up, but yes, but still very impressive. And it looked full. Absolutely. They had people to pack to the rafters in there. I know. I do agree. It's an impressive crowd. Even if they decide to bullshit their way into setting a record, why not? Yep. Anyway, then the next match we didn't watch the iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov versus the killer bees. Uh, during the ma- right at the beginning of the match, uh, they tr- Nikolai Volkov tries to sing the Soviet national anthem, but then here comes Hacksaw Jim Duggan to interfere because this is the land of the free and the home of the brave. He's not gonna sing ho, and then he held, he stays, and then basically the match ends in a DQ because he ends up interfering, and there's a bunch of sh- bullshit. And whatever, wow, good guys awesome. get the moral. Good guys get the spiritual win. Whatever. A win is a win, but a psychological loss is a psychological loss. Oh man! Yeah. And, and, and now and, here we now, are. 
the 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 grand, the almighty, the practically Shakespearean, the tragedy of Andre the giant. The th we begin on a harrowing scene. Andre the giant in his final pre-match interview. Well, well, actually, uh, no, yeah, we we get yeah, we he get goes on, first. Yeah, yeah, he goes he goes first. His final pre-match interview. And he stands there stalwart. He stands there reserved. And yet, someone is there to steal the spotlight. In this case, his who should be his ally, Bobby the Brain Keenan, uh, who who is only who only wishes for glory, whereas whereas Andre simply wants the pure goal of self determination. And yet, no one will truly ever allow it for him. It is a sad, sad time. Anyway, Hogan then took a bumped another line of coke and is even more insane <laughs> in his second interview of the night. And now we cut over to the comedy of Hulk Hogan. Holy moly. Okay, <laughs> this time Hulk Hogan <laughs> talks about how he's going to slam the giant and he's concerned. Not for the 93,000 in the arena, but for the 93,000 outside the arena. Hogan, there's more than 93,000 people in Detroit, not in this map, not in yeah, this okay, arena. Wait, was that what he, I was so, I, I was so confused at what he, what he was even insinuating. He was insinuating that he is going to slam the giant and it's going to cause earthquakes. But not, not isn't the last time he says that. But not in the arena, outside of the arena. Yeah, he's concerned by the people who are, like, not going to see him body slam the giant will otherwise just feel the earthquakes, I guess. I'm sure he's very actually concerned. He sounded real. like a fucking madman. And near incomprehensible doesn't even begin to cover it. And the best part is, uh, as as Mean Gene is wrapping up this interview segment, Hogan is just mucking like a cartoon character at the camera. He's like, <laughs> oh man, oh. He's, he's like making this like this like ooh face with his mouth, and he's like, I don't know. But audio only, you're missing Austin and I trying our best to make the most ridiculous flex poses we can. As <laughs> yep, it's something, all right. Terry, Terry, how much coke how much coke did you do, Terry? Enough so to not enough to not feel any pain, brother. It was so fucking high. <laughs> <laughs> right now then hogan comes out he walks to the ring <laughs> and so here he comes and as i mentioned to david this is the most serious he ever looks tearing the shirt he doesn't he doesn't normally he plays to the crowd when he does it and he just kind of rips it off in the corner while staring at andre yeah yeah hogan put on his serious business shirt rip uh, some other small highlights is Jesse calling calling Bob Mr. Basketball. Um, I oh yeah, I, he tries to act like he doesn't know that Bob Euchre is Mr. Baseball, even though they've been yeah. making baseball jokes all night. 
weird. Like he, but yes, Bob Bob Uecker did. Bob Uecker does the ring announcing duties, and Mary Hart does the ring the guest uh, timekeeper. <laughs> guest timekeeper. And and so and Bob Uecker's call of Andre the Giant. Man, that's a, another iconic uh, bring. You know, put in all the video packages. Yeah. Line. Um. I can't even remember what got me to say this. It might have been something with Mary Hart. It might have been something else. I just wrote in my notes, 80s era, stop being gross about women challenge impossible. I don't even know what inspired that, but I'm sure it was something. Yeah, it was probably something. I don't remember exactly what it was. I, I, I have no I have no idea. It, it was sometime after the Mr. Basketball line. Mm. Uh, I, uh, but yeah, then Andre shows up and... Uh, and people are just throwing trash throughout this entire. They do. They're throwing they so much so... trash. The ref, the ref has to knock trash out of the ring. Yeah, <laughs> there's a spot where he catches one midair that you caught and flings it right back. Oh mm. man, I. That's insane. God. Okay, this is a point where I really need to ask. We can't be the only people that have lampshaded how fucked up this situation is if you actually, like, look at it with thought, right? We can't be the only people who have stopped to be like, you know, this this friendship actually kind of, like, looks toxic from the Hogan side, right? I'm right? pretty sure we're not. Okay. Okay, good. Thank you. Because watching this crowd be this vitriolic toward Andre, who literally is just, why are you booing me? I'm right-facing the whole time. But... I, why are you booing me i'm right i'm right yeah what how how did these people get this brainwashed into despising andre the giant this much just because he dared disrespect well, hulk daddy well that's the power of hulkamania brother <laughs> hulkamania is a death cult we have already <laughs> talked about this yeah, I know we have. Oh man. Oh, that's a throwback. <laughs> this is this is their death chant. They uh, Andre has dared question their dogma, their glorious leader's dogma, and and just something in their psychological programming got switched on to turn into feral animals of hatred toward him. Mm -hmm. It was right. deeply disheartening. All right, I think it's time for my nuclear hot take. Oh, please. I, so I, have, I think I've avoided a lot of those on this show. But it's my time. My time. I like Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Oh. That's the nuclear hot take? It is. This mat the match is infamously considered terrible. One of the worst matches ever. And it is considered absolute dog shit. By the I larger was, wrestling consensus, I didn't think it was terrible. I thought it was a I, little disappointing. I I thought I thought I thought like I wish I could have gotten a little bit more blood from this stone, but but overall it was, it was fine. I mostly I just mm -hmm. thought like the ending came a little too quick and felt a little like sudden and anticlimactic. But that yeah, that's about it. That's I'll, about I'll it. This, I'll I'll read you this paragraph. So from from uh, Wikipedia to get a better sense of the, of, of what the idea is here. Despite the historic importance, the match was also criticized for its quality. At the time, it received a negative four-star rating from Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, named it the worst worked match of the year. 
In 2020, 411 Mania's Larry Zonka gave the match one star, stating the match is not good in any way, shape, or form. But this one I completely appreciate for its historical significance. Damn, I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't either. Let's break down why I liked it. Uh, the answer is, I get what people don't like about it, in that it's very yeah. slow. Hogan <laughs> is not the most technical worker on his best days, and Andre <laughs> is far from his best days. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a plotting match, I grant you that. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing is I think that and I think a good comparison to this is we is the hog wild match that we watched several weeks back. The yes. match I despise with a passion. Oh, and that was such a bad match. If I may compare what I why I hate that match, but I actually like Andre Hope. And I think the big part of that is that there are thematic beats within the match that actually that actually like are interesting enough to keep me interested until we start, you know okay time to go home and hit the big boy stuff is you have for immediately you get the Andre hogan uh getting cocky a little bit he he goes for the kill for the for the body slam immediately mm-hmm. but hogan he doesn't have the power andre is too strong and so yeah. andre just flops on hogan mm-hmm. and almost pins him to winning right there hogan kicks out but the rest of the match his back is fucked and that Mm. is the framing device for why andre beats the shit out of hogan for most of the rest of the match yeah um andre again uh, then this match kind of proceeds into a lot of like punch 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 again very slow but i think what they do makes it work in that andre doesn't just kind of stand there and wait for hogan to get back up you get andre being like get up get up like it's it's adding some personality to the moment and it feels more like an interest like a it feels to me anyway more like an interesting character moment of like andre is like trying to beat hogan down and he's punishing hogan and hogan is having to struggle to he's barely clawing his way out of this match andre is toying with him almost mm. mm-hmm. and then uh we get to I forget Hogan starts fighting back and he ends up getting caught in the bear hug spot. Now I, and I, and I mentally compared the bear hug to the test of strength from the hog wild match and everybody involved in this, in this, in the bear hug is a lot more animated (laughs) and it feels more like something is actually happening yeah, even serious. if they are, even if Andre is just standing there hugging Hogan, and Hogan has to pretend he's in pain, but Hogan does a better job of acting like he's in pain than he did in the Hog Wild match. So it mm. works, and you got Hogan like trying to put his arms underneath Aunt Andre to kind of like get leverage, and you get the one, two spot, and Ian, it's good stuff. And then. Um, eventually Andre knocks Hogan out about out of the ring. They fight a little on the outside and Hogan rips the mat up and then tries to like pile drive Andre onto the plywood or I'm sorry, the concrete. Yeah. <laughs> Good try. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't work. And he ends up back body dropping Hogan onto the, onto the wood himself. And Hogan's a, he's selling the pain brother. 
and eventually we get back in the ring and we kind of get the big finishing sequence of on all throughout the match hogan has just been hitting andre and he's trying to knock andre down he's coming closer every time but he can't do it and then eventually he hits the big l clothesline and this time he knocks andre down he can't believe it andre is down and then he picks andre up for the body slam heard around the world bam and then he hits the leg drop a one a two and a three yeah yeah and no Yes, I kind of just did the whole match beat by beat, and there wasn't a lot of action in between there. But my point is, is that there were story beat, there were story beats and arcs to the whole match that made it engaging for me to watch, even if yes, the action wasn't particularly good. Yeah, I know, I agree, and and the Hogan getting beat down for a lot of that front half and coming back. I mean, it's the classic babyface spot, mm-hmm. right? But but there is something to be said here of, of how hard they went with it because he is getting thrown around by the world's biggest dude and is still mm-hmm. able to find the inner strength to recover from it. And I mean, in the framing of the story as is, it's of course he finds his inner strength, realizes that he's, he's better than this, and he can still, yeah, he hulks up, he comes back. Blah, blah, blah. But hell, even in our framing, I can kind of see it of him having this moment of he's having his worst moment. He's fading and he's kind of, he does like the fucking Principal Skinner meme of, am I wrong? No, it is the giant who is wrong. And he and he's able, ah, to, able to find his freaking ego and go back to it. I thought, I thought that was, I thought that was, uh, I thought, it, I, yeah, it had beats. Again, I wish I wish I had a little more action. When you think Legends, Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. you want to get a little bit more bang for your buck. But like, Jesus, negative four stars? Not in a million years. I've seen far, I think, far. I think Me- I, I believe Meltzer has kind of went back on that and acknowledged that was a little bit of a reactionary take, and okay, he bumped cool. it up to like one star. Gee, thanks. But yeah. The reputation of Andre Hogan just being a bad match, only if with no value outside of its historical significance, is pretty commonplace, and I don't necessarily agree. I yeah. think it's a pretty solid enough match overall. Uh, I think that, I and maybe for me, I just didn't expect anything more from Hogan and Andre physically because I know Andre couldn't handle it. Like, yeah. I don't know if you count noticed it, but Andre took two bumps the entire match. He, yeah. when he not got knocked down by the clothesline and when he got body slammed, that's it. He was just on his feet the whole rest of the match because he otherwise couldn't really handle anything else. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. And I, and I mean, there were a couple like head hits for mm-hmm. him too and stuff, but, but sure down, down on his ass. Yeah. But like, that was the other thing of, even if I thought the ending was kind of anticlimactic, it felt like it made sense. Andre presents himself in such a way that he's all, he's always on his feet and he's, He's always he's always moving again. He is the mm-hmm. immovable force. Like they kind of they kind of hearken to here. Yeah, the iconic and, line from of uh, from Gorilla Monsoon: "The unstoppable force meets the immovable object." Iconic yeah. line from him at that. But moment. like, but you get this feeling from it of this is a man who you can't even fathom being down. And mm-hmm. once he is down, your brain kind of goes, "Wait, I'm not used to this." what and it almost makes sense for him to not get back up because you're like damn i don't see him get up a lot because he never needs to he's not used to having to get Mm -hmm. up 
it makes sense that the giant could be felt like that, even if I think it lacks a little bit of panache. Like, yeah, yeah I'll give it. I'll give it. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree with your your apparently nuclear take. This this is an okay match to watch. I did not think this is the worst thing ever. I think the storytelling around this was yeah. far worse than the actual like match itself. But hey, yeah. we even found a way to swerve that because we just fucking came up with better storytelling without changing a damn word of the yeah. script. Look at us, we're just that talented. Babu. Um, yeah, shout and, out, and shout and out to finish, oh, sorry, go ahead. the finish of the match pays off the two story beats of the match from the rest of the match. Is that. Mm is that knocking Andre on his feet, off his feet, and body slamming him. Ta-da! Like, yep. bravo, ten, five stars. You done, five, you star done finish, five star finish construction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, anyway, a few other small things. Shout out to Ventura getting one, one final great dumb line in. And uh, Andre's in the corner, Hogan's beating up on him. And Bobby the he Bobby the Brain calls out to him, "Are you okay?" And Andre kind of nods back, and and Ventura notes this as he nodded back affirmatively, <laughs> as opposed affirmatively. to what other kind of nod, Jesse? Oh, this man, this man and his warty words. Um, I do appreciate that. What really? Andre tried to resolve this with the power of hugs. Uh, yeah, sure. That's how. That's that's a way you could frame the bear hug. Also, I really love when when Hulk is 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 hulking back up uh, to to overcome the bear hug. The the hands dropped one two, but it stays up the third time. He, I see he went to the boss NAS school was earning his dominance because he just starts going. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was that it was uh hulk hogan goofy brother. but yeah once all is said and done uh, finally i just hulk hogan even in victory his transformation to completely accepting his being a terrible friend to andre and framing it as he was completely in the right acting like an insufferable prick even in victory and man it certainly wasn't intended like this but I can't agree more with Gorilla Monsoon when he described it as Hulk giving the people exactly what they want. Yep, the people oh, wanted man, this. Those people. This is what the people wanted. Unfortunately. Yeah. So he went. He went. Hogan wins the match, and Andre and and Heenan are despondent. They take they take the cart back as they get pelted with garbage on the way out too. Oh God. And then. Yeah. But then Hogan, he gets in the ring and he's hot dogging and grandstanding as he always fucking does. Oh, oh, yeah. And giving it multiple times to the big guy upstairs, freaking virtue signaler. Yeah, he's this fucker. This fucker. Old and man, fisted clouds. Yeah, he ends the match. Well, I used to be with it, and then they changed what it was, brother. And now I'm not. I'm not with it anymore. And I think it's scary, dude. Yes. Abe Simpson, more like Hulk Hogan. Anyway. Yes. Any, anyway, that is the end of the show. After that, they do a highlight pack. They do a highlight package of all the other matches of the night. Yeah. yeah signing yeah. off. Hogan is the triumphant winner. Did I really expect anything else? Even if yeah, I didn't the, already know how this ends. The end of another era. This has been a this has been a wild one. I mean, of mm -hmm. course, this has been a highlight for me in getting to turn this damn story on its head in such a in such a fun mm -hmm. way. I, again, 
damn, we need to be in that writer's room. But but it was also cool to finally get to go all the way back and do a full, full story in this really classic era of the day. We've done little, we've yeah. seen little steps of it before, but th- this was one of the most unique arcs we followed because of the, the, the Saturday night's main event framing or whatever the is that what it was right Saturday prime time wrestling is we got prime time wrestling God, yeah prime time wrestling the prime time wrestling format the fact that it was this legendary storyline the fact that it was the classic era and i mean again though i poke fun and disagree with mm-hmm. a lot of the sensibilities of the day cuz i think they were goofy and sometimes deeply offensive i can so understand why this was the golden era in a way because Mm -hmm. it did kind of have at the end of the day for the sensibilities of the time that perfect it was that perfect combo of sports and entertainment they weren't at the point where kayfabe was actually was absolutely shattered into a million pieces and they found ways to really speak to the these vehement feelings in the audience as seen by some of the nuclear tier pops that happened in this show Mm -hmm. just how invested the audience was in so many of these stories the fact you did get this massive crowd to come see wrestlemania 3 the first genuinely good wrestlemania with some phenomenal matches in it this was them finding their footing and this era i think was a great encapsulation of while yes the follies of the era also the the great successes at the heart of it that catapulted them to the the untouchable status they are today absolutely like i i i went into this era hoping to kind of give you a greater appreciation for this time period because i know that our first few episodes in this foray you were lit you were a little more hesitant didn't didn't quite enjoy it as much and i think i came out of it with a greater appreciation of the of the era and the time i had a lot of fun in this arc yeah no and and this 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 the toward the end of this arc this has marked my very conscious attempt to try to because now i am a weekly wrestling watcher i watch AEW every, mm-hmm. two times a week and seeing and this is something i've talked to you about in mm-hmm. the uh, in, in in you know in our personal conversations of of seeing this show week after week and seeing how i react to it in a kind of starkly different way than i do to like the the very limited arcs we follow on this show uh, it, it kind of makes me understand that there's a certain leniency that needs to be given if you're not following the story on a whole, because there are things you allow for for insanely long-term storytelling that you're going to be, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. be following for years and years and years to come in real time. Whereas in in this box, I'm kind of forced to evaluate things in a in a very limited manner for just the just what I see from the arc as you present it for the five episodes that we lay it out. Right, right, so right. I'm trying to to apply that leniency more and come into a greater understanding uh, and, and sympathy for for why things came off the way they did in the time they were from and kind of understanding that this could be going other places in the future that, that people could jive with that I might not be seeing. Stuff like that. And so this era, I think, has been a really big benefactor of that on, on my end from my analysis standpoint. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad it was this era that kind of got to be one of the first big recipients of that because it is the classic era. And yeah, thanks to and thanks to your efforts and thanks to kind of how I've been learning about this culture, it's it felt cool to to really come to a, a full appreciation of this for everything it was to kick this off. Of course. And so thus ends that arc. 
Uh, so what arc would we be replacing it with in our time period? <clears throat> now, I I say is that is that I like to put com, commit this arc to the pre-attitude era. Um, that means uh, before 19, say 96, 97. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to go to 1994, but okay. deep in the new generation era. But we're not we're not we're not doing the WWF. We're not going to the WWF. Meanwhile, uh, WCW, this is right before Hulk Hogan's going to show up and do a bunch of stupid, goofy nonsense there. But we're, <laughs> not, going to the, we're not going to WCW. No. I think that what we should do is that we are going to go to almost the proto-attitude era, from which all, atti- really, a lot of the attitude era's finer and lesser fine points were derived. In 1994, in a small, independent wrestling territory in Philadelphia, it was the birth of Extreme. We're going to the birth of E-C-fucking-W. Oh, shit, buddy. The trifecta, the last member of the Holy Trinity. I am so ready for my mind to expand as I learn the final piece of the of the 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 late 80s early 90s puzzle oh man we're going we're going on a ride with Paul Heyman boys strapping yeah baby I'm here for it that is for a few episodes down the line what are we doing next week next week we return to the tent to the grand temple lucha underground as Oh no, Phoenix, uh, Drago will be taking on Prince Puma in a title versus career match for the uh, Lucha Underground Championship. If Drago loses, he is banned from the temple as per his unique opportunity from Dario Cueto. Slimy motherfucker. Let's do this. Yeah, but that is for next time. Until then, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir. My friends, my dear, dear friends, thank you for joining us so uh, for, for, for on yet another very, very special episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. We are so delighted to have you with us. If this is your, uh, if you're a returning listener, viewer, what have you, thank you so much for once again welcoming us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, what have you. We are so delighted to have you. We hope you continue to join us in the future. Uh, if you are a first-time listener, watcher, what have you, thank you so much for joining us here. Uh, we, we, we hope you've had a phenomenal time. We heard the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. like to think we like to, we can cater to both Noobs and Knockouts alike. So whether you're brand new to the wrestling fandom or you're a seasoned veteran, we hope you feel welcome here. We hope you've had a great time here. We hope you want to continue to have a good time here with us. If you want to keep having a good time with us and you're not entirely sure how to do so, oh, not to worry, my friends, I have you come. First of all, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Ring that bell. Make sure it turns a nice little salad color every single time we drop. Uh, so, so you get notifications every single time we drop a new episode. Uh, like, comment, uh, add us to your playlist. Check out our playlist on YouTube. All of the arcs that we follow are organized into their own separate little playlist. So if you want to follow down a specific arc without having to skip around a whole lot, well, you got that option. And in more recent episodes, you get to see our beautiful faces. And in some of the very most recent episodes, you get to see our brand new beautiful layout. It's a great time. So if you want to come see us do our thing, check us out on YouTube, the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. If you are a fan of the audio-only experience, you can find us on three of the best places to find your podcast, which are Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Check us out there. Rate us. Review us. Uh, I know Spotify just introduced uh, ratings. I'm they do. Sure that's kind of, that's podcast. wild. 
yeah, Google and Apple Podcasts have have ratings and I think review system as well. So just hit us up on there. Give us that that old five stars if you don't mind, and just tell just if if, if you got the option, tell people why you think our show is awesome. Uh, uh, you can find us uh, in that wonderful audio only format there. Um, and you know we just appreciate uh, appreciate your your listening. And hey, if you want to if you want to tell the algorithm these dudes are pretty cool, well we appreciate that too. We are also uh, a few places you can you can get in more direct contact with us than just listening to our beautiful voices week after week. Uh, first of all, you can find us on Twitter uh, at noobs and noxpod. That's noobs the letter n noxpod on Twitter. Check us out there. We drop dank memes. We interact with the broader wrestling fandom on a whole. We post every single time we drop a new episode, so you guys know what the hell's going on. Uh, and of course. The big old highlight of our uh, of our Twitter is weekly wrestling live tweeting. My friend, what is on the docket coming up? Of course, as usual, every Wednesday night on 8 p.m. Eastern on TBS, Turner Broadcasting, baby. It is AEW Dynamite. Uh, are the one weekly show I guarantee that I will watch live every single week. So why not live tweet it? In addition, we will be live tweeting, of course, AEW, WWE, and Impact Wrestling pay-per-views. So, upcoming is January 29th. Baby, it's the Royal Rumble season, baby. Regardless of any other feelings I have about the WWE, of which I have many, the Royal Rumble is potentially the greatest gimmick match in the history of wrestling. It's always a fun time. 30 men enter, one man leaves to get a world championship match at WrestleMania. 30 women enter, one leaves to get a women's championship match at WrestleMania. Indeed. In addition, we're also got Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE championship. The Dang. big boy MMA boys going at it. Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins for the universal title. Uh, always when the Shield bros get to fighting, always a good time. That and more is upcoming. Again, you can see that on Peacock. Uh, AEW, March 6, 2022, Revolution. One of their four pay-per-views of the year. You can find that on Bleacher Report. Uh, traditional pay-per-view outlets. Fight if you use a VPN. Or some maybe some movie theaters. Take a look at it. Take a look at a Cinemark near you. Right now, we don't have it's a It's a pretty great time. I saw, I saw Full Gear in a movie theater. theater. It was awesome. Yeah, and then Impact Wrestling, their next pay-per-view, April 23rd, Rebellion. Uh, again, that is so far in advance. We have no matches for it yet, but we'll keep you up to date on it. You can find that on traditional pay-per-view outlets and uh, on Fight TV if you are so inclined. And that is what is on our Twitter going forward. Absolutely. So check that out. It's a great time. Austin's usually at the reins of our live tweeting. He's he's awesome. He's really funny. He's really mm -hmm. insightful. I can speak with, with experience when I say he's a great time to spend your uh, your wrestling watching time with, even if it's in a digital only format. And hey, sometimes I take the reins too. I think I'm a pretty good time. Uh, either way, no matter if it's Austin or me at the helm of the, the live tweeting, check us out there. It's awesome. We also have an email address. You can find us uh, at noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com. That's noobs the word and this time, knockoutspod at gmail.com com come say hi to us tell us what you like about the show what you don't like recommendations questions uh yelling at us for our hot takes uh things you want to see on the show future arcs special episodes or other general wrestling adjacent miscellaneous media or just if you want to tell us how sweet and beautiful the dulcet tones that come out of our voice every week are uh we just love hearing from people so hit us up at noobs and knockouts pod at gmail 
Com. We would love to hear from you there. And finally, we are also on Patreon. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. $1 a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout-out at the end of each episode. See y'all next time. Hasta luego. <laughs>